We are living in a world of rapid change, a world of mounting complexity, a world full of information, but very few answers. Let's face it, it can feel complicated. And the more complex issues appear, the more difficult it is to find our way. But what if the answers we seek aren't as complicated as we think? What if I told you God is not a God of confusion, but a God of clarity? What if, instead of pushing forward without direction, we return to the foundation that God created for us? What if we decided to reject the confusion our world is presenting to us? What if we decided to get back to basics? Well, we've been in a teaching series called Back to Basics, and we're, we're walking through some foundational issues related to Manhood and womanhood, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. We've talked about those two important issues the past couple of weeks. And this week and next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like for men and women to meet each other's needs in the context of marriage. And then in two weeks, we'll talk about God's design for intimacy. And then we'll close out our series talking about how to walk with the Lord, and how to have that peace that makes no sense when things don't go according to plan. So this has been a very important series for us as we tackle some things that are very much uh, in our culture and in our society, a lot of misunderstanding. And, and today and next week, we're going to be very practical navigating some dynamics between husbands and wives. And so if you're married, I hope this is encouraging to you. If you're not yet married, I hope it's instructive for you. And uh, if you're in a mentoring role with someone in your life, maybe you've been married and you're not presently, maybe this will give you some clarity for the future, an opportunity maybe to encourage someone in your life. But, but uh, we want to tackle here for the next couple of weeks just the, 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 the dynamics in play as men and women come together in the context of marriage because... Marriage is not easy. Uh, Rosina Pride, who was married many, many years, was asked how she and her husband Charlie had stayed married so long. And she famously quipped, well, the main reason is that neither of us have died. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a good word, you know, that's a good word. And, and so we want to be very honest today, next week, that marriage is difficult. And we've talked about what it means to be men. We've talked about what it means to be women. And today and next week, we'll talk about now what does it look like to come together? Because we've talked about this tension between imperfect men and imperfect women living together in the context of marriage. And so there's going to be tension. There's going to be some dynamics in play. And I want to show you the beauty of God's design and I hope to encourage you with some ways you can navigate that natural tension that comes when two imperfect people come together. And so let, let, me, let me show you a graphic here of, of where we're headed. Today, husbands, I'm going to talk to us. So I talked to us two weeks ago. Talked to our wives last week, to women last week about womanhood. And so we're going to come back to men today. And, and here's what we're going to do. If you look to the right, we're going to talk today, men, about what it means to fulfill our role in meeting the needs of our wives as God has designed them. So we're going to talk about the issues of affirmation, affection, communication, and home security. And then next week, ladies, we'll talk about what it looks like to meet the needs of your husbands. And that's admiration, intimacy, companionship, and home support. Now, I just want you to see that these are really kind of the core 
needs for each member of the marriage, right? Like, like foundationally in terms of how we're wired, okay, these needs all connect. So as we talk about admiration as the number one need for the husband, ladies, today I'm going to connect that to you and talk to the husbands about how that manifests itself in affirmation. As we talk next week about intimacy, this week we're going to talk about affections. We talk about companionship for the husband, this week we're going to talk about communication. So we're really talking about some foundational needs that both men and women are wired with. They're made, as I've said the last couple of weeks, to complement each other. But really they need to be expressed differently because men and women are different, okay? And so what we're going to talk about here the next couple of weeks, starting today, is not personality, not upbringing, not the five love languages, okay, which can be very helpful. We're talking about how God has designed us as men and women to come together in the context of marriage. We're talking about some foundational dynamics that really make marriage work, okay. And I want to emphasize that I'm talking about the absolute of how God has designed us. I'm not talking about an abuse. And so with any of these needs that we're going to discuss, okay, there can be an abuse. And of course, I'm not talking about the abuse, but, but I am talking here today about the absolute, how God has wired us as men and as women. Okay, and so husbands, here we go. Let me, let, let, let me uh, break this down here and, and give you a key takeaway. And then we're going to talk about the four basic needs of our wives, okay? Here's what I want you to see today, that the way the husband attends the needs of his bride, right, should mirror how Christ attends the need of his bride, which is the church. Right, so here's what we're talking about today, gentlemen. We're talking about how we attend the needs of our wives. And what we're going to see, of course, is that that should mirror how the Lord attends the needs of his bride, which is the church, okay. And so we want to, we want to see very clearly how God has set this thing up, this, this uh, beautiful relationship called marriage in such a way that it ultimately promotes the gospel. And that starts with those of us who are husbands. And so, okay, man, here we go. Ladies, you can uh, take some notes here. Make sure your husband's got it. All right. <laughs> Give him a pop quiz later today. But guys, I want, I want us to think through here briefly what it looks like to meet the basic needs of our wives. Number one, write this down, affirmation. Okay, affirmation. Here is the number one command, men, that we have in the context of marriage. Okay, if you're not yet married, okay, Guys, just think through. This is the number one need of your future spouse. And this is what the scripture speaks to very, very clearly, that we affirm our wives. We love our wives, right? We show an ongoing affirmation for who they are, for how we value them and treasure them. We communicate that unconditional love we've talked about clearly and regularly, okay? The number one command given to husbands in the New Testament is that we love our wives, okay? We love our wives. 
So let me show you a couple examples of this. Ephesians 5, of course. For husbands, Paul says, this means you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. This is, we've talked about this, an unconditional love. It's a purifying love. It's an ongoing love. And so what that means practically, gentlemen, is that we affirm our wives. Make that a regular part of our relational dynamic. Colossians 3.19 says this, okay, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. This is the common command given to men, to love, to affirm. Here's the reality, guys. Our wives need a steady diet of affirmation and appreciation. Not just on Mother's Day. <laughs> Like regularly. Okay, God has made our wives to value that affirmation. That's why the scripture says repeatedly, husbands love your wives. Now next week I'm going to show you guys, the New Testament never says one single time, wives love your husbands. And so you want to come back next week and we'll talk about what it looks like for the man to receive that love that they need. But it's, it's not the same. It's, it's, it's not wives love your husbands. No, it's different. But it is husbands love your wives. And so, guys, that means that we need to be very keen on regularly affirming and appreciating our wives. A lot of men kind of have this philosophy. You know, I told my wife I loved her when we got married, and I'll let her know if it ever changes. <laughs> That is not a good strategy. <laughs> she needs to hear, I love you. She needs to hear, I appreciate you. She, she needs to know on a regular basis that she's treasured and she's valued. She is made to have that type of intimate relationship with the husband. It starts with affirmation. Husbands, love your Wives, affirmation, appreciation. Now, the, the, there are examples of this throughout the scriptures. Let me give you a key. When we talked about this last week, thinking about womanhood, but I want to point something out to you today, guys, that I didn't point out last week. Proverbs 31 and verse 28. Just watch this. Her children stand and bless her, right? We talked about this dynamic of how, how the godly wife, the godly woman, like she's, she's not weak, right? She's leading, she's providing. I mean, she's an amazing woman. And her children stand and bless her. They affirm her. But notice her husband praises her also. This is so important. It's not just the kids. Like the husband is praising her, affirming her, appreciating her. Here's what he says. There are many virtuous and capable women in all the world, but you surpass them all. And then verse 31 said this, if you remember, reward her for all she has done and let her deeds publicly declare her praise. And so guys, here's, here's how God has wired your wives, right? They, they need that love, that affirmation, that appreciation, right? It's, it's not just the children rising up and calling her blessed. It's her husband 
also, loving our wives as Christ loves the church unconditionally, sacrificially. We've talked about that. I want you to see how it practically takes root in the context of your relationship. It is affirmation. It is appreciation, right? And I know that, that some of us are not great at this. It is an area perhaps we need to work on. Because our wives should never have a single day in the context of our marriages where there's an unhealthy insecurity. Affirmation, appreciation. They should hear from us, right? Uh, I read a quote from a, a young man named Ricky, 10 years old. He was asked with some other kids one day, like, what does it take to make marriage work? Here's what, here's what little Ricky said. He said, you have to tell your wife she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. <laughs> Guys, would you just go ahead and tell your wife right now, baby, you are so much more prettier than a truck, right? Just go ahead and tell her that right now. I mean, it's trying to get you some brownie points. All right. I'm not real sure what that means exactly, but uh, it is good advice. Like it helps <laughs> to affirm your wife, to appreciate your wife. And let me give you a little insight, especially if you're newly married today. Let me give you a little bit of insight into how important this is and how much this speaks to the heart of your wife, okay? Because men live in generalities. And what I'm challenging you to do today, guys, is to move beyond a generality into specificity. Because here's how I've learned this. And if you're newly married or you're new in your marriage, just I'm telling you guys, I'm going to do you a favor here. Here's what's going to happen. You, you're going you're to go home from this and you're going to be like, on the way home from the church. And you're going to say, hey, baby, I just want you to know I love you. And you're going to think that you have applied God's word to your life, but you haven't yet because your wife is going to say, why? <laughs> and you're going to be like, hold up. Nobody said nothing about that. All I know is I'm supposed to tell you I love you and you are looking better than a truck. That's what I've gotten from today, right? So if you're new to this game, I just want you to understand how God's wired the heart of your wife, right? He's wired her to love you, to value this relationship in the context of marriage. She needs men, our affirmation, our appreciation ongoing, right? Not just on anniversaries and birthdays and Mother's Day, but like this should be a, a steady diet of what we do, right? Like telling her we love her and telling her we appreciate her, but be prepared. The question is coming. If you say tomorrow, I just want you to know, baby, I appreciate you. Why? And I have been asked that question many times. And early in my marriage, I was not prepared for it. I'm like, honey, you're so beautiful. And like, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, well, why do you think that? And I'm like, because you're hot. I don't know, like. And so I've learned, like, I need to think specifically, you know. And, uh, and it's more meaningful, right? Honey, I appreciate the way that you work so hard for our family. I appreciate. And, and I just want to encourage you guys, if this isn't a part of your regular routine, I want you to understand this is one of the ways you speak to the heart of your wife. This is one of her needs. Husbands love your wives. Say, what does that look like day to day? Well, it starts with affirmation. She needs to hear that you love her. She needs to hear that you appreciate her. She needs to see that you cherish her, right? And, and there needs to be some specificity attached to it. So I encourage you, think through a couple ways right now that your wife blesses your life, your family. And affirm those things today. Appreciate those things today. 
and cultivate an environment of unconditional love that is more than just, of course, saying one time, I love you. How does Christ do it? Well, in an ongoing fashion, the scripture says he intercedes for us continuously. And so it's, I love you, I appreciate you, I affirm you. Affirmation, the number one way we show the unconditional love of Jesus to our wives. Okay, secondly, write this down, guys, affection. All right, affection. Affirmation, affection. Okay, affection moves into now God's design for intimacy. And if you're new to this, again, I'm trying to help you out here. Because um, I know men, like, sometimes look in the mirror and they're like, no wonder she, she's drawn to me. And, um, hey, I got news for you, all right. If you're new to this game, your wife is drawn to intimacy with you based more on how she feels than how you look. And I'm just going to let that set a moment because some of you are absolutely shocked at that, Okay. And some of you men are like, no, I'm pretty sure it's how I look. Like, maybe you ought to ask some other people in your life about that. Okay? Because next week, guys, we're going to talk about intimacy from a husband's perspective and how it speaks to your heart. Okay? But I want you to understand from your wife's perspective and how God's made your wife. Okay? Intimacy is about affection. Her... Physical attraction to you is going to be rooted more in how she feels about you and your marriage than how you look. And you can walk in the house all day long with your leopard skin, skinny jeans, okay, or your, um, I don't know, tank top that you just came back from the gym or whatever, whatever it is, right? Like, I'm just telling you. If there's not a steady diet of affirmation and there's not a steady diet of affection, it don't matter what you look like. And, and the sooner we get this, the better, right? So I'm trying to help those of you who are new to this, okay? The affection in marriage from the wife's perspective is about being valued and treasured. It's how she feels. It's about the security we'll discuss in a moment within the marriage and the family and so so intimacy is based more on how she feels. And therefore we have some examples in scripture then of how we're to love our wives, right? Not selfishly, right? Not, not um, superficially. Like intimacy should not just be about the physical, right? Like there ought to be what God has designed, a spiritual, relational, emotional connection. Your wife values that. She treasures that. You do too. We'll talk about that next week. But guys, we, got, we, we, got, we, have to, we have to see affection as something that's an extension of affirmation, right? That's how intimacy is most enjoyed in the context of marriage. An environment where the wife feels valued, affirmed, treasured, and therefore the affection displayed is an extension of the security in the marriage. And so some of you guys are like, okay, what does this look like? Well, uh, words, we've talked about that today. Cards, preferably with a lot of glitter. Okay. If you're new to this, just pick the one with the most glitter. It will probably work. Okay. Flowers, things that you know that she enjoys, common courtesies. Like remember when you used to open the door of the car for her? When you were desperate and thinking she would never marry you? 
and then she did. And you're like, I can't believe that just happened. And then three years later, you don't open the door of the car for her anymore. Like what changed? You know, so common courtesy. So it can be a lot of different things. Okay, let, let, let me show you how Solomon did this to his bride in Song of Solomon or so, 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 Song of Songs chapter 6. Just, uh, you're going to get a kick out of this if, you, if you're new to God's word. Here's what Solomon said about his bride. I just want to see he's praising her. He's affirming her, right? And this is the context. The whole book is about this, this intimacy in marriage, right? It's sexual intimacy and it's relational intimacy. Here, here's how that's being promoted, right? It's not just Solomon walks in the door, right, and opens up his coat and he's got all of his gold watches hanging there and she's like, oh, baby. No, 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 look at Solomon. You are beautiful, my darling. Like the lovely city of Terza. Yes, you're as beautiful as Jerusalem, as majestic as an army with billowing banners. All right? Like, just quote the first part of that. I'm not sure she's going to be down with Jerusalem, okay? But, but it, uh, it gets better. He says, turn your eyes away for they overpower me. Oh, that's a good one. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats <laughs> winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep that are freshly washed, baby. And your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. In other words, you got all them teeth, baby. Is that not good stuff? Okay, true story. True story. My wife and I were out town this week. I was doing some speaking. And, um, and uh, we were together one evening. I, I was uh, working on my message for this week, right? And I'm looking through a lot of scripture. And we're sitting on the couch together. She's working on something. I'm working on my message. And I said to her, I said, hey, honey. And she's like, yes? Like just the way I said it, you know. Did you all pick up on that, guys? Hey, honey. And she goes, yes. And I said to her, this is 100% true. I said, hey, I just want you to know. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep. <laughs> and baby, you got all of them. And like, I thought it was hilarious, okay. It did not land as I had intended. Because apparently the way I said, hey, sweetheart, like she was like, she thought something was coming that was like legit. And I'm like, that's in the Bible. I'm quoting scripture. Okay, so we kind of had a moment, did not go as according to my plan. So maybe leave out the flock of sheep. But um, I, I just want you to see a very manly man named Solomon, you know. If you read through the Song of Solomon, which is a very intimate book about how God has designed men and women to have intimacy, right? Like he's affirming his bride. We've talked about that. And, and that's cultivating this context of affection whereby she's reciprocating that. And that's how God has designed the sexual union. That's why we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks with relation to how should we approach the issue of sex. Because... Listen, it's not what our society has made it to be. It's not something that's self-serving. It's not something that is merely physical. And, and I'm just, we're going to talk about this, but listen, one of the things I'm concerned about with the younger generation today, like, is that they're growing up in a world where they think sex is just physical and sex is just personal. 
And then they don't understand the power of it. And in the context of marriage, what we see, guys, is that through affirmation and then affection, there's this intimacy that's powerful, and, and God's made us for that. And your wife, to feel that connection, that, that security, it's got to be more about how you look. It's got to be more about how she feels and cultivating that affirmation, cultivating that affection. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians 5, okay, and, and, and this may be new to some of you. I know this is something you've read many times, others of you. But look, Paul says in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Right? For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. That's why Paul says elsewhere, sexual sin is ultimately a sin against your own body. And he says this in verse 29, for no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, right? So we're trying to think through how do we love our wives as Christ has loved us, right? The way that we attend her needs is the way Christ has attended our needs. And so that starts with affirmation. I love you. I appreciate you. Moving from the general to the specific and then cultivating an environment of affection where the sexual union is enjoyed and our wife feels genuinely tethered to us, right? And this is what leads to romance, now, guys, let me ask you this question. Do you know what romance is? I mean, seriously, I'm asking because I have no idea. <laughs> Does anybody know what romance Because let me tell you how romance works, okay? Romance is your wife playing a game of hide-and-go-seek. And something that worked last week may or may not work this week. And this is the cruel, sick game known as romance. I'll give you an example. Years ago, my wife and I were driving around somewhere, I can't remember, and uh, I came across a steak and shake, which meant they had milkshakes, which meant I was going to stop. And so I did. And I, listen, I don't know why this was such a big deal. This is the point. I don't really know. Although I think, I think I'm closer today. I'll get to that. But, but I pulled up and without, my wife and I had been married, we'd been married about a year and a half. So we're kind of early in our marriage. And I pull up and without even asking her, I ordered her favorite milkshake, which is vanilla, which is not a flavor, which ain't that hard to remember, right? Okay. <laughs> so I ordered her a vanilla milkshake. Didn't even ask her. I'm telling you, like for some reason that particular day, that spoke to her heart that I knew what she liked without having to ask. So I thought, you know, I'm 24 years old. I figured out the key to marriage. It's steak and shake. I'm ready to write the book. So the next time we were out, no kidding, I pull into steak and shake. I said, baby, I already know what you need. She's like, I don't want a milkshake. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You have to have this milkshake. She's like, oh, oh honey, I don't want one. I'm good. I'm, I don't, no, you have to have it because I figured out the key to romance. Well, that ain't the key to romance. So here's what I think is the key to romance. This is as close as I'm ever going to get, all right? I think it's thoughtfulness. I think it's thoughtfulness. And you may have a thoughtful moment one day, and it may, may involve a milkshake, and it may work that day, but it may not work the next day. But you know what may work the next day? Another avenue of thoughtfulness. And... Um, the reason your wife finds that romantic is because thoughtfulness is a means of affirmation and affection. It communicates value. 
the fact that you would think about her at a level where you would do something sacrificial or something to appreciate her or something to bless her, that speaks to her heart. That's the way God has made her. Which is why I told you a couple years ago for our wedding gift, a couple gave us a little pillow with a heart embroidered in it and said, hide this from each other so that every time you remind, you see it, it reminds each other of how much you love each other. And I'm like, that is the dumbest gift I have ever seen. And I'm not joking. That's exactly what I thought. Because we had nothing, right? Like we needed silverware and plates and food. I'm like, how about a $10 gift card to Taco Bell? That would be better than this stupid pillow that's so small I can't even sleep on it when I get in trouble and have to sleep on the sofa, right? I can't even use that pillow. And I thought this is literally the dumbest gift in the history of gifts. What a cruel joke. And then I hid that stupid pillow. And it was not as stupid as I thought. My wife loved that stupid game. I mean, she loved that awesome game. <laughs> and I would hide it and she'd find it. And, you know, it was, oh, this is so sweet. You were thinking of me. And I'm like, well, yes, I was. <laughs> yes, I was, you know. And I'd put it in her car. And, I'd, and we actually had fun with it. We did. It was actually probably the best wedding gift we received. And uh, about 12 years later, I had a friend of mine come to me and said, hey, man, I need to get something for my wife on Valentine's Day. Do you have any ideas? And I said, oh, do I have an idea? <laughs> I don't embroider pillows for a living, but I tell you what, go to the store and buy a five, $10 little teddy bear and make a handwritten note. It says, honey, I'm going to hide this little thing so that every time you find it, it is a reminder of how much I love you. He said, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I, said, I said, please trust me. And, um, man, it was awesome, you know. So here, here's my thing, guys. I, I don't know specifically what your wife is going to resonate with today, and you don't either. <laughs> but I know this, if you'll affirm her, and if you'll just lean into some thoughtfulness toward her, that will speak to her heart. And God's made her for that. So affirmation, affection. Third, write this down, communication. All right, communication. This is where the car is going to run off the road. <laughs> communication, we know, is one of the greatest needs in marriage. Every family deals with this, communication. But guys, I want to show you why this is so important for your wife. It's not just about talking, okay? Because <laughs> ladies, here's our default. I just have to say, this is, we're, we're trying. It's, this is, communication can be hard for some of us, okay? Here's kind of our approach, right? Here's our default, like, Ladies, if something we said can be interpreted two ways and one of those ways makes you sad or angry, we meant the other way. <laughs> and so, hey, some of, we're, we're working on it. But communication is about more than just talking, okay. Here, here guys, is what I want you to see. What speaks to her heart is a type of communication that extends beyond the surface level, right. Obviously, it's honest, it's transparent. But it's intimate. intimate. By intimate, I mean like you're talking about things at a spiritual level at times. You're talking about your future, right? You're talking about your kid. You're talking about your family, right? You're talking about what drives you. You're talking about what's important to you, right? She wants to know you. And, and, and this is one of the ways we dwell with our wives in an understanding way. Because, because 
listen, when we all go to work tomorrow, man, we're going to be talking about football. Or we're going to be talking about things. And like, like we're going to be talking about things as men at a, at a surface level, which is how men talk and how men need to talk. Right? If somebody rolls up to the water cooler tomorrow, right, one of my fellow men that I work with, and it's like, hey, can I just tell you how, how some of these games made me feel over the weekend? I'd be like, no, but you can go work somewhere else. You know, like, no, I'm not interested in you telling me how you feel, bro. Right? Like, that's not how men talk. But for our wives, guys, like the way, one of the ways we dwell with them in an understanding way is to do what a husband should do, right? Like to talk about our futures, talk about our children, talk about our walk with the Lord, talk about our hopes and dreams, like, like to include them in this covenant, in this partnership known as marriage, right? And so the easiest way I can say it is if you talk to your wife like you talk to your friends around the water cooler, she's never gonna feel that affirmation and affection that God's made her to feel. Like there should be a difference, right? Like my wife should talk about some things with me that are very different than what I talk about with others. It's at a level that's different. So Peter says this, let me show you this scripture I referenced, 1 Peter 3, in the same way, you husbands should give honor to your wives. Treat them with understanding as you live together. I love this. Peter says, she may be weaker than you are, right? But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers are not hindered. That's a massive statement. That as we seek to um, meet the needs of our wives, right, and we seek to reflect the glory of Christ in the way that he attends the needs of the church, right, like if we, if we don't take this seriously and we don't lean into our wives and the covenant we've made, like it could hinder our relationship with God. It's a big deal. And so just a couple practical things. Here's what this looks like, okay. Like, guys, it means that we engage in sympathy before solutions. Like that's one of the ways we speak to their hearts. Like we work on, especially if you're new to marriage, listen, I encourage you to work on understanding her before you work on changing her. So that means you're addressing how she feels before what she does, right? Like that's what I mean by intimate communication. It's about her. It's not just about problem solving, right? Like at work, you might be doing a lot of problem solving. A lot of men think intrinsically problem solving. That's good. God's made you for that, right? There are problems that need solving and working with her on that is good. But, but there's so many moments maybe where just by listening, affirming, okay, asking her how she feels, right? Like, like sometimes there's a solution just in the listening. Just in her knowing she can come to you and share and vent and talk about her insecurities or talk about her frustrations or talk about whatever it is that's on her heart. And so often, like, you know, we can be so quick to say, hey, let me tell you what you ought to do in that situation. It ain't that hard, my dear. And she receives that as not that you're not smart and brilliant, but she receives it as a little bit uncaring because she's more interested in how you feel about her and you coming alongside of her than she is just getting a bullet point about how to tackle the problem. And so sympathy before solutions, right? Think leaning into how she feels before what she does. This is what it means to communicate at a level that's beyond the surface level. Your, your wife is made to have that kind of communication. I'll just give you one example of this. Early in our, in our marriage, um, my wife and I, our very first job together in ministry, I was a student pastor at a church and we lived in... Um, an apartment complex from which the church was doing some community ministry. And it was, uh, it was a rough place. 
but the rent was free. The church said, if you were willing to live here, you can, you can not pay any rent. And we said, well, <laughs> we're in. Because <laughs> all we had to our names were this little pillow with a heart embroidered in it. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So we live in this apartment and man, it was rough. I mean, I'm not making this up, man. We had, we had people who were drunk passing out on our patio. We had people banging on our door at the middle of the night. They were at the wrong apartment. I mean, it was rough. It was really, it was chaotic, okay. And I, in the context of the ministry, I developed, you know, I'm trying to develop relationships with some of our leaders and so forth. And we got to, um, like, you know, playing basketball and doing some different activities and stuff. And a lot of my leaders were married. They had kids. They could only get together at night. Like after, you know, they put the kids to bed and all that. Well, my wife and I had just been married less than a year. And so I'm, I'm running out of the house at, or the apartment at, you know, 9 o'clock at night. And I'm gone for an hour and a half, two hours. And there's this window where my wife is there by herself. People are passing out on the patio, banging on the door. And she felt a little overwhelmed, right? And I remember coming home. And this, I just say this to my shame, to be honest with you. And we're talking through. And she's, she, was, she was growing, like, increasingly agitated. that Because, you know, we were doing this several nights a week. And she was just real. And I'm like, and I kept arguing on principle. Honey. This, this is why I'm doing this. And this is why it's important for my ministry. And I need to get to know these people. And this is the time they can do it. They can't do it early in the morning. They can, like they've got kids. And, they, and I'm arguing on principle. And looking back, I'm like, you know what? Early on in those conversations, we were at a total miss. Because like I had legitimate reasons and I had solutions to the problems. And the entire time I failed to realize that my new bride that I just moved away from our families is sitting in this apartment at night, three, four nights a week, all by herself, scared to death about what to do when people are banging on the door. And when she was expressing to me, could we navigate some solutions? I took it as you aren't serious about my ministry. And she took it as, well, you're not serious about me. And I learned, wait a minute, I need to back up the truck and lean more into listening to what she's saying in terms of how something's making her feel and what the issues are with her than just immediately going into, hey, I've got some solutions to the problem, you know? And from that point forward, I've been a perfect communicator. <laughs> Let's go to the last one before I get struck by lightning here. Um, so basically, here's how, your, here's how your wives are made, right? Affirmation, we love our wives as Christ loved the church. Affection. Communication, right? That's personal, that's beyond the superficial. And then lastly, just make a note of this guy's home security. Home security. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the wife and how God's gifted her and wired her to provide home stability. For us guys, security, and I don't just mean physical security, I mean relational, emotional, spiritual security. Here's the reality, guys we are the security hub for our families. God has made men as that. That's why, listen to me, guys. Our involvement in our homes, our involvement with our kids, our involvement in our marriages to try to move them forward, right? Us assuming the responsibility that Adam did not, and we talked about this two weeks ago, is foundational because we provide a security for our homes that no one else can. Let me, let me just show you Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Let me go to Ephesians 6, 4. I, just want, I want you to see here what Paul says. Fathers, not mothers. 
It's not that mothers don't have a role in it, but look, look what Paul's saying to fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not aggravate your children. They will become discouraged. Here's the point. Paul's speaking of fathers. Fathers, we provide a security in the home. We set a tone for the home that matters much. And so let me just encourage every single one of you today. Listen to me very, very carefully, guys. You need, I need to take the lead, especially when our children are involved, to have a marriage-centered home. Because the number one way our children grow with a security in who they are and who God has made them to be is for mom and dad to have a great relationship. And the most important relationship in the house is not the relationship that you have with your children, men, but the relationship you have with your wife. That cultivates a security that is profound. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I just want to say it again. That's why when your kids are little guys, those of you in that life stage, I get it, it's hectic. Just remember your wife needs you more than your little kids. Not that they don't need you. They need you. They need your instruction and discipline. But, man, your wife needs the help. She needs the encouragement. Especially if she's a stay-at-home mom or she, even if she's working outside the home. and you all kind of getting home. And Listen, she needs your help. She needs your involvement. She needs your engagement, right? That brings a security that's not just physical. Some of you are like... I got home security, I got a safe. And in that safe, I have shotguns and handguns and okay, great. It's not just physical security. It's, it's succeeding men where Adam failed. Telling the devil to get out of the garden. Saying not today, saying you ain't coming in here and talking to my wife. It's being active and engaged and involved in establishing a security from which your children can thrive. So. When you put all this together, you see, okay, yeah, God's made my wife for me. Yeah. This is the beauty of God's design, made to complement each other, right? And so it's about affirming her. It's about cultivating an environment of affection with her through thoughtfulness and specificity. It's about communication at a level beyond the superficial and engaging her on where she is and how she feels and how she can be encouraged and blessed. And then it's about providing a presence at home, a, Leadership at home to where there's a security there for your wife and your kids. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and physically. And um, man, when all these things are in place, then the heart of your wife will be tethered to you in ways you can never imagine. And so let me say it one more time as we wrap up today. The way, men, that we meet and attend to the needs of our wives it mirrors the way Jesus attends to the needs of his bride. And um, I want to leave you with one more scripture today. And uh, I hope it will be encouragement to you. It's Proverbs 18.22, guys. This is what our wives need to feel from us. That the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. Amen, guys? Come on. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. And he receives favor from the Lord. And um, so I hope you be encouraged today in the practical ways we've, we've walked through um, to ensure that your wife feels like she's a treasure and um, she's a blessing from the Lord. Listen, if you're new to Bell Shoals and we can help you take your next step, maybe there's something that specifically I can pray about or our team can pray about for you or maybe we can 
um, engage in a specific situation, maybe where we can come alongside of you and help. Listen, I'll be out in the lobby today, and uh, I'd love to connect with you. You can always text Bell Shoals to 77411. We believe that the most fulfillment we'll ever have in life is to live life the way Jesus has designed us to live it. And if we can help you with that, um, that's why we're here.